reading today comes from Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the, vir the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this, your word, and we ask that as we reflect on it for the next little bit, that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand, and wills to obey, that we might see Jesus side of that. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Disruption. Disappointment. Discouragement. Trauma. What do you do with disruption in your life? How do you respond to disruption? How have you responded to disruption, especially over this Christmas season? Disruption is a reality that faces all of us, and it's a reality that faces all of us on a spectrum. All life is stewarding disruption. And we encounter many forms of disruption. In a small way, we encounter it when somebody doesn't bring us the right order at a restaurant, when we have to return an article of clothing that doesn't fit us, when we were wishing for a gift and we don't get the gift that we really wanted. We have to steward this disruption, this disappointment in small ways. And then in much larger ways, we have to steward disruption and disappointment through the death of a loved one, through an addiction, that doesn't seem to go away, a trauma that we're still dealing with in life. Through sickness, through cancer, through divorce, through disease. All of us have to face disruption in our life. It doesn't matter if you are a Christian here this morning, or you're someone who is exploring what Christianity is all about. Disruption is a reality in our lives. And disruption is especially a reality that we tend to reflect upon and think about at the Christmas season. Over the holidays, we're confronted with the reality of disruption in part because we have such high hopes for life. We have high hopes for this season. And this season always disappoints. It never lives up to the hopes and the expectations that we have for has been true in our home as we've reflected on this the last couple of weeks. We've had high hopes for 
what the holiday season would look like, and we've had to manage many, many disruptions, including the disruption of getting an email, of having the news that my mom has been in the hospital through most of the Christmas season, and the disappointment of being a son living in America when a mother that you love lives in Africa. You can't really do much about it to care for her and to love her to be with her, to be able to hold her hand and say, Mama, I love you, and as you're aging, I want to be here for you. Disruption, it's a reality that faces all of us. So what do we do about it? How do we face life's disappointments? How do we face life's discouragements? How do we face life's disruptions? Well, we're gonna look at three things together this morning from our text. The first is the reality of disruption. The second is hope in disruption. And the third is a promise for disruption. First, the reality of disruption. We see this in our text when Joseph is confronted with this news that the one that he loves, the one that he has given himself to, the one he has made promises to, is pregnant and she is not pregnant by him and Joseph's life is disrupted in this moment this news when he finds out that Mary is pregnant imagine if you were Mary imagine having to go to Joseph sit down and say Joseph I need to tell you something Imagine if you were Joseph, having this person that you love tell you this news. How would you respond to this disruption? Our text gives us a clue to how Joseph is going to respond, intends to respond. It says that he's going to divorce her. But he's going to divorce her quietly, so as not to put her to shame. Joseph had to deal with the reality of this disruption, that the woman that he loves is pregnant, and it's not by him. And Joseph has to deal with the reality of this disruption of the story that the way that she got pregnant was not through another man, but through the Holy Spirit. And who would believe this story? Oh, okay, Joseph, yeah. You're not going to divorce your wife because she got pregnant from God. Yeah, we believe that. Joseph, you're not crazy. You're not crazy to believe that Mary got pregnant by God. Joseph had to deal with the reality of this disruption for his entire And as you read the Gospels, and especially as you read the next chapter of Matthew, you see how Joseph responds to this disruption in faith and hope and love. That rather than shaming Mary, rather than abandoning Mary, rather than leaving his family, he cares for them. He cares for them deeply and intimately. And he's concerned for their good. He steps up to love her unconditionally in the face of this disruption. Disruption was a reality that Joseph had to endure 
throughout his life. And the Gospels don't tell us much about the rest of the story. It doesn't tell us much about, you know, Joseph's internal life. But I think we need to practice some holy imagination. This disruption wasn't something that just affected Joseph one time. And then we said, okay, I've resolved to not shame Mary. I've resolved to not divorce Mary. He still had to live with the reality of this news his entire life. He still had to bear the weight of this disruption his entire life. This was a disruption that reverberated in his life and in his family uh, throughout his whole life. So disruption is a reality that faces all of us. Disruption is a reality that we have to learn how to steward. And as you read the Bible, you see that because of the fall, because of sin, disruption is common for every single human being. There's no human that it can escape the reality of disruption. It's in every page of the Bible. And it's in every page of our own stories. We all live disrupted lives. We all live lives that have to steward disruption, that have to steward pain, that have to steward disappointment. None of us here this morning are living the lives that we thought we were going to live. None of us here this morning have all, had all of our dreams and all of our hopes and all of our expectations fulfilled. All of us are living disrupted lives. And friends, that's good news. It's good news to be honest with ourselves. And we have a religion. Christianity is a religion that says disruption is a reality. Suffering is a reality. Pain is a reality. Disappointment is a reality. And it's a reality that we can face. It's a reality that we can acknowledge. It's a reality that we can endure. It's a reality that we over this holiday break, part of the disruption in my own life was getting a call from a friend who wanted to spend some time with me. And as a pastor, when somebody asks to meet with me, it's usually because they want to talk about something deep and something complex and something difficult in their life. So I said, Pastor, can we get together? And I said, of course. And he said, can we get together with my wife? And I knew, of course. And I knew it was going to come. I, I knew that there was going to be a major disruption that they were seeking to steward. And so I sat down with this dear couple, these dear friends of ours, and listened. Listened for hours as they recounted the last seven years and major disruptions of a move, major disruptions of suicide in a family, major disruptions of a career change, major disruptions of mental health in their family, of their children leaving for college, of them trying to figure out what life looks like as empty nesters. And as I sat there and listened to their story, so much of their story echoed in my own story as we face so many of those same things. And we sat there together, and what we did was first name the reality of disruption in our lives. The 
pain, that suffering, that disappointment is something that we're called to steward. Just like Joseph was called to steward it. We're all called to steward disappointment. So what do we do with disappointment? What do we do with disruption? What do we do with the reality that our lives have not turned out the way that we hope that they would? Well, point two, there is hope in disruption. There is hope in disruption. And the Christian story doesn't leave us in our disruption just to wallow in it, just to sit in it, just to be overwhelmed by it. Rather, the Christian story says that God has acted to do something about it. And verse 21 tells us what God has done to do about the reality of suffering and pain and overwhelming disruption. Our hope in disruption is that God has sent his son into the world and that his name is Jesus. And he is called Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. That's our hope in disruption is that God has sent to the world his son. God has sent to the world a savior and his name is Jesus. When disruption first entered into the world through sin, our first parents, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God and everyone became affected. Everyone experienced the shrapnel of their decision. Everyone began to be overwhelmed by disruption and suffering and pain and sin in the world. God promised that one day he was going to do something about it to overcome and overturn its consequences. And the entirety of the biblical story is how God is not going to leave his world to suffer. God is not going to leave and abandon his world to the consequences of sin. But God is going to enter in to redeem, to rescue, to save his world. And in the fullness of time, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, overcomes Mary. He comes inside of Mary to have this miracle birth and to call the son that is growing in Mary's womb, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Friends, this is the good news as we endure disruption in life, that we have a Savior. That we have a Savior who has gone before us, that we have a Savior who has endured, that we have a Savior who has suffered, that we have a Savior who has experienced all sorts of disruption in his own life and was faithful to go to the cross for us, to die for us on the cross, to bear the weight of sin and sorrow and sickness and suffering and disease on our behalf, to bear our disruption, to rescue us, to save us. And if you come to know that you have a savior, 
Jesus, who will rescue you from your sins, you can face any disruption in life. Because what you come to realize is Jesus is so much bigger and Jesus is so much greater than your disruptions. The truth of Christianity is that our disruptions are like a little bucket in the midst of the ocean of the vastness of Jesus, who is our Savior. And we can endure our disruptions. We can endure our pain. We can endure our suffering. We can endure all these trials that you and I face in life because of Jesus, who is our Savior, who is a Savior who is big enough to take upon himself all of our disruptions. And notice that the angel says that we're to call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And I think one of the things that you and I have to be challenged by is other names that we replace Jesus with, other names that we want to call Jesus by other meanings that we want to give to Jesus. So often we say, let's call his name Jesus, for he'll save us from our loneliness. Let's call his name Jesus, for he'll save us from our financial ruin. Let's call his name Jesus, for he'll save us from our aging. Let's call his name Jesus, for he'll save us from you fill in the blank. Whatever disappointment, whatever disruption, whatever suffering you're facing, the core of it, the root of it, is because of sin. And Jesus came, not necessarily to give you your best life now. The promise of Christianity isn't that in this life, in this world, that all pain, all suffering, all sorrow, all disruption will go away. The promise of Christianity is that Jesus came to get to the root of it, to save his people from their sin, to be the disruptor of sin, to undo the consequences of sin. And it's during this season that we get to sing one of the greatest hymns of all time, joy to the world. The Lord has come. The Savior has come. Jesus, who will come and save us from our sins, has come to redeem us as far as the curse is found. And wherever the curse is found in your life, and the disruptions that you're facing, God sent his son to rescue you from your sins. And to be a help, to be a comfort in the midst of your suffering and your pain and your trial. So what do we do with disruption? Well, the first thing is hope and disruption is that we have a savior. The second thing is the promise for disruption. Verse 23 tells us this, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. The promise for disruption, not only is that you have a savior, but you have a savior who is with you. A savior who is with you in the midst of your disruptions in life. A savior who is not abandoning you. A savior who is not leaving you. A savior who is not forsaking you. But a savior who is with you and for you to walk alongside you 
as you go through the joys and trials of life. As Jesus went through his life, as he came to the end of his life, he met with his disciples after he had died and after he had risen. And he appeared to them and he said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the ages. And he gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as the church began to meet and gather together, one of the first things that the church experienced was the power of the Holy Spirit. That God was not abandoning them, even though Jesus had left this earth, but that God was with them through the gift of the church, through the gift of the Spirit, and that God would always be with them and for them. And so the promise of facing disruption, the promise of facing all the highs and lows of life each of us have to endure, is that Emmanuel is with us. Emmanuel is with us even now. And the way that Emmanuel shows up and makes his life and love present among us is in countless ways to give us the gift of his spirit, to give us the gift of his word, to give us the gift of the table, to give us the gift of encouragement, to give us the gift of loving words spoken over us so that we might know the true story. That even in the midst of great disruption, we belong to a God who saves. We belong to a God who is with us. Over this holiday season, our family has watched several movies. And uh, as we've been reflecting on these movies together and talking about them as a family, and as I've been preparing for this sermon and thinking about uh, giving these words to you. I've been reflecting on how we tell stories as a culture. And the way that we tell stories as a culture is to acknowledge that disruption is a reality in each and every one of our lives. There's not a good story out there that doesn't say this world is broken. Suffering is a reality. Pain is a reality. Trials are realities. And as we've watched several movies over the holiday season as a family, we've seen that come clear through the screen. But what we haven't seen come clear is the hope in these disruptions and the promise for these disruptions is that these stories don't give us hope that there's a God who saves. And these stories don't give us a promise that there's a spirit who is with us, a son who is with us through his word and through his sacraments and through his people to care for us and to nurture us and to love us in the midst of our sufferings. So I wish that we told better stories as a culture. I wish that we told the story of Matthew 1 that says that Emmanuel is with us and that Emmanuel is for us, and that Emmanuel continues to give himself to us and show up in our lives in countless ways. And I wish that our story, or our culture, told stories like Joseph's. Because what happened to Joseph at the end of this chapter is that he woke up from his sleep, and he did as the angel commanded. 
And as you read Joseph's story in Matthew chapter 2, you see Joseph's courage. You see Joseph's faith. You see Joseph's love to care for and to nurture his family in the midst of greater disruptions of having to move to Egypt, of having to flee from Herod, of having to protect his family. And you see that Joseph is able to do this because of Emmanuel, of the God who is with him, of the God who is for him, of the God who is nurturing him and strengthening him to endure these disruptions. As I sat with my friends who told their story for the last seven years and all the disruptions that they faced, we sat there with them for a while and we named them. We said, these are hard, these are overwhelming, these are real, these are heavy. But then we did what Matthew 1 taught us to do. We brought them to Jesus. And we said, Jesus, only you are big enough to carry these. Only you are big enough to receive these. Only you are big enough to absolve these. Only you are Savior. So we don't look to our health. We don't look to our finances. We don't look to our own promises and resolutions to fix what's broken in life. We look to you as our Savior. And then we also did what Matthew 1 teaches us. We said, you're still with us, Jesus. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, through your word, through this friendship. And we resolve and promise right now in the power of your Holy Spirit to live lives as becomes your followers. And we need grace to move out into this new year. To move out in faith and hope and love to do the things that we've resolved to do together. We need your Holy Spirit. And we looked at this story and we said, Joseph was able to respond to disruption and faith and hope and love because of this promise. And we, like Joseph, receiving Jesus, receiving the Spirit, receiving the church, receiving all the gifts of the church, we can move out in faith and hope and love as well. Disruption. What are you gonna do with disruptions in this new year? What are you going to do with disruptions in this new decade? Let me encourage you to continually acknowledge that disruptions are real. To know that you have a Savior. And to know that that Savior is with you and for you. And gives you His Spirit, gives you His Word, gives you His church, His people, His sacraments so that you can move forward in this world, not overwhelmed by your disruptions, but rather responding to your disruptions in faith and hope and love. And therefore, living out the beautiful story of the gospel, that God will be at work through you to use you in countless and creative ways as you seek to live for him. Let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you that your story accounts for the reality of disruption, the reality of pain, the reality of suffering in our life. And that your story doesn't mask over this, 
but that your story gets to the root of it. That you have sent Jesus to be our Savior. And that your story promises that one day all things will be made new. And until that day, we're grateful that you continually are Emmanuel. God with us, God for us. And so even now, as we continue in our worship, give yourself to us as we come to your table. And may this table strengthen us to live for you this week. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen.